Hello, I'm Ray. Welcome to another podcast episode. This time, what did we have in the 1970s that we don't have now? That's the hook that I'm going to hang the episode on. That's a funny expression, isn't it? Hang it on a hook, <laughs> like you're hanging up your coat or your hat. Thanks for all your emails, all your comments. But first of all, this business of what did we have in the 70s that we don't have today? Now, I looked this up originally back in the week on Tuesday, I think it was. I, I found it online, actually. I just Someone put on there, what did we have then that we don't have now? And a lot of people were saying, respect, courtesy, politeness, common sense, decency. And I thought, yes, that is true. Back then, we did have far more respect, not only for each other, but for things. I don't, I mean, obviously there were vandals around, there were hooligans, as they were called in those days, that would uh, perhaps smash up a phone box, for example. But it was quite rare. You didn't hear every week about that sort of thing as you seem to now. I wonder whether this obviously is an element in it. It's There's so much stuff on Twitter and Facebook everywhere. The slightest things that happen, they're on Facebook, they're on Twitter straight away. So someone smashes up a phone box somewhere, someone's videoed it or taken photos, and there it is on Twitter within seconds. So you're thinking, oh, look, there's another phone box smashed up. It's every week this is happening, or a shop window been smashed, or, or whatever it is. I just wonder whether back then, in the old days, there was so much hooliganism. What a word, eh? hooliganism. I love that. That's an old-fashioned word. I don't think people use it now. They refer to people as um, thugs. <laughs> thugs, that's a funny word. Thuggery. <laughs> so I don't know. What do you think? Personally, I don't believe there was so much thuggery and hooliganism back then. I do remember one of the phone boxes near to us. Uh, someone had cut the wire. It was that old-fashioned, twisted-type wire. Someone had cut it with a knife or something and taken the, the handset. That, though, was rare. I'd, every time I wanted a phone box, we had before mobile phones, of course, every time I wanted to use a phone, I'd walk into the nearest phone box and the phone worked. It was clean. I remember a chap used to go around on a bicycle, like a window cleaner. And on the bicycle, he had a, a box and he had a bucket and water, disinfectant. And he'd go around all the phone boxes in town. I remember him. I often saw him around. He cleaned the phone box windows He'd disinfect the, the mouthpiece of the phone and he'd clean up in there. And when you go in there after he'd been in there, it smelled like a hospital. <laughs> the disinfectant, it absolutely stank. But that was great. It was all clean all the time. Uh, yes, people did drop litter in the phone, but you know, they chuck an empty cigarette packet or something on the floor, a crisp packet, whatever, or an old newspaper they'd leave in there. Talking about litter, I think people had more respect back then that yes, people did drop litter in the streets, but not so much as you see now. When I cross the uh, the railway crossing near us, you look along the railway track, and either side of the track, there's rubbish. People have chucked stuff out of the train window. I don't remember that rubbish. When I was a kid, when I was a boy back in my day, <laughs> I don't remember all this rubbish anywhere. Okay, again, you could say, well, there weren't as many people. There weren't as many people travelling on trains to throw rubbish out of the window. There weren't as many cars on the roads for people to chuck stuff out of the car window onto the road or the, the pavement. I don't know. It just it just seems that there's more 
littering and thuggering and her her ghouling, her ghouligan, what's the word? Hooliganism, her ghouliganism. These days, there just seems to be far more. So back in, what did we have in the 1970s that we don't have now? Cleaner streets, and they were cleaner. Were the trains clean? They were. The trains were clean. Mind you, they're clean these days, aren't they, the trains? They're, they're quite nice. One thing we did have back in the 70s was decent roads. Look at the potholes now. Stone the crows. There are holes everywhere. The other day, you can't always avoid them. I'm driving along and Trish, she looks out for them because, you know, you can't just watch the road all the time. You've got to look where you're going. She shouts out, big hole, big hole. <laughs> and, you know, that normally, if I haven't seen it, that gives me time to see it and then swerve. But, of course, you can't always swerve, not without going onto the pavement or hitting the oncoming car, the oncoming traffic. So the other day, I had to actually hit a pothole with the the front wheel. Oh, it, bang, the whole car shook. It's just going to put the tracking out. It's not going to do the suspension any good. I don't know. When I first went to Spain on holiday in the 70s, the roads out there weren't good at all. Now, the <laughs> the roads in Spain, last time I went, they're lovely. All, all nice new surface and everything. Really nice roads. You come back here, full of potholes. It's all chained round. There's another thing we had in the 70s that we don't have now. Roads without white lines painted all over them, zigzags and crosshatch and lines everywhere. I often think when I'm driving along, <laughs> there's lines in the gutter, little lines. And a, what, what's that for? Does it mean don't drive in the gutter? Well, I don't drive in the gutter anyway. What does that mean? And then when there's a junction or something ahead, there's lines. Or oh, what they do? What they do now? This makes me laugh. You get, you're going on the main road. There's a junction on the on the left or on the right, I suppose, if you're in the US or wherever. And what they do is they stick out of the pavement. The sidewalk comes out either side of the the junction, the entrance to this junction. So you're driving along, and you, if you're not careful, these things pop up overnight. If you're not careful, you hit this pavement that's popped out, and there's a bollard on it. And <laughs> what is that for? And then you get these white crosshatch type lines all over the place and so many road signs. I think people have been moaning about it in the last few years. I've seen photos on the telly that people on the news, they're saying about road signs everywhere and they'll put up a picture and you've got a strip of road where there's like 150 million road signs. Do this, don't do that, don't turn here, turn there. And it's just confusing, it's distracting. That, that's the complaint people have had. You're trying to concentrate on your driving and you're bombarded with half a million road signs, white lines in the road, pavement sticks out, suddenly shot out halfway across the road. You have to avoid that. Then the potholes, of course. I've seen cars. I know there's a joke about a, a driver being stopped. You know, are you drunk? You're swerving all over the place. No, I'm trying to miss the potholes. I've seen cars and I've done it myself, swerving along a road, you know, zigzagging along the road, avoiding the potholes. We're not drunk. <laughs> We're just trying to save the car's suspension and the uh, the steering geometry from being wrecked. I'll tell you something else we had in the 1970s, in the good old days, well, and the 50s, 40s, 60s, or way back then. In our cars, either in the boot or slung underneath, there would be a spare wheel, which you kept in good condition, all pumped up, ready to go, should you have a puncture. I hit a curb, my own fault, was it last year? 
Uh, I was letting a car come through, parked cars either side, you're ridiculous, millions of cars on the road, far too many. I pulled in to let this chap come through and I just caught the curb because it wrecked the tyre, ripped the tyre open. Managed to limp home because we're only around the corner. No spare wheel in the car, of course. You can't just change the wheel. In the old days, you get the jack out, jack the car up, change the wheel, job done. Then when you pass a garage or whenever, you could just take your wheel in and they'd sort the puncher out, fit a new tyre or inner tube. Fit a new inner tube in the old days. I'm going back now. These days, you don't have a spare wheel on the car. You just don't have one. I don't know what you're meant to do. You get a flat tyre in the middle of a country lane at night, miles from anywhere. What are you meant to do? Who's, you know, what do you do? Do you get the AA out or the RAC? What do they do? They don't have a spare wheel. They don't have a puncture repair kit or whatever it is they do. It's ridiculous. So that's something else we had in the old days that we don't have now. A spare wheel on the car. Is that too much to ask? Well, obviously it is. Our car has a, a pump, the electric um, air pump, and an aerosol can of something you're meant to squirt into the, the wheel, and then you've got this long hose, you a little door in the back of the car, you know, in the boot. You open this little door, unwind this sort of hose pipe, put it onto your wheel. It's all hopeless. People can't do all that nonsense. You just want a spare wheel to put on. I've never used that. I've read that people have said you, you squirt this stuff into your you know, into the valve so it goes into the into the tyre itself inside. It doesn't do any good. It just wrecks everything. <laughs> so I don't know. There was a thin, they used to supply a thin wheel, which would just get you home. Uh, do you remember those? I don't know whether they still do that. But anyway, I, our car has nothing at all. And of course, car breakdown cover, you have to make sure that if you do have a, a flat tyre somewhere, the breakdown service you're with We'll sort that out because a lot of them say we don't cover flat tyres. And the reason they don't cover flat tyres is because what are they meant to do? Take the wheel off, jack your car up, take the wheel off, drive somewhere to a garage somewhere, have the wheel done, you know, the tyre replaced or whatever they're going to do to it, bring it back to you and put it back on your car. Well, that could take them an hour or two messing around. They can't do that. They're a breakdown service. They're not going to run around with your one of your wheels in the back of their van, trying to find somewhere to, to get the tyre replaced or to get it fixed. So what's the next thing we had back in the 70s that we don't have now? Pull into a garage, you want some petrol? A gas station. <laughs> okay, pull into a gas station and the chap would come out and he'd uh, you'd, you know, you'd stay in your car and he'd say, yes, sir, uh, fill her up, please, or five gallons or whatever it was you wanted. He would do that for you. And he'd say, do you want me to check the oil and the tyres? Yes, please, yeah. He'd clean your windscreen, wipe that over with a cloth, a damp cloth, check your oil for you, check your tyre pressures, do all this sort of thing. And then you'd give him your money. You didn't have to get out of the car. He'd go into his little office, ka-ching on his till, bring you the change if there was any, and you'd drive off again. Now, I don't mean that as a lazy point of view. You know, I, I would always get out of my car and stand by him and have a chat. And when I gave him the money, I walked to the office to get the change. I didn't just sit in the car. But some elderly people did if they had a bit of a job to get in and out of their car. And that was great. Check the oil, the tyres. These days, I, I can't work out. I have to take Trish with me when we're getting petrol. I can't do it. For a start, it says, are you paying by card or something? I don't know, am I? <laughs> I, I don't know, have I got a card? If Yes, I have. I've got loads of cards. I don't know which one to stick in the slot. 
So what I do is Trish does all that business and I just fill up the tank. <laughs> she does all the card stuff and typing in, what is it, pin? No, no, I don't know what you type in. I just keep away from all that side of it. <laughs> oh, it's funny. But yes, that, that was nice in the old days. And of course, your local garage, he would look after your car for you, take it to him to be serviced. In fact, we've got a local garage. It's, it's not a huge chain of garages. It's just this one chap. He's got some uh, mechanics there working for him. And it's lovely. I rang him yesterday. Yeah, yesterday morning, I rang him. And I said, we're off to the Isle of Wight. He, he serviced the car for me and did the MOT recently. I said, we're off to the Isle of Wight for our holiday before long. And the near side front wheel is going as you go along. And he said, oh, bring it along. Bring it along now. I'll have a look. I left it with him. He had a look at it all. It's just the brake, one of the brake pads just binding slightly. Great. No charge. You know, it's fantastic. He knows me. He knows the car. He's been looking after it for years. That's the way it used to be in the old days. That's what I like. So at least that's something that's still going. Your local garage. But as for petrol, no, I, <laughs> I don't get involved in all that nonsense. The chap would also wipe over your headlamps with a, a cloth. Because very often in the old days, you're driving along at night, especially if you leave town, you, you go along a country lane, insects absolutely plastered over your headlamps because moths and insects, they're attracted by the light, aren't they, at night? And your windscreen covered in little dots, all these insects splattered. I mean, I felt sorry for them. They get splattered all over the place. So we had in the 1970s and earlier, we had insects. I'll tell you what now, we don't have any. We drive along at night. The next day I look at the headlights, the windscreen, nothing. Not one splatted moth or insect, absolutely nothing. Whereas back then, insects splattered everywhere. And of course, that's why they're saying now, oh, there are fewer birds, a lot of birds. We had birds in the 70s, not girls. <laughs> and we're not going on that route at the moment. Uh, flying, you know, feathered birds, loads of those. Apparently, a lot of the birds are in decline. Why? Because there's no insects. Well, we know that from the unsplattered headlights on windscreen on the car. There are no insects. Why are there no insects? Because all the countryside's gone. All the hedgerows have gone. So, I don't know, we had, yeah, we had hedgerows in the 70s. That's, <laughs> that's something else. I've written down on a bit of paper here, insects. That's the sort of thing I'll look at in a few days' time, if I don't cross it off. And I'll think, insects, what's this, what have I got to do? What, uh, Trish, what's this about insects? And she'll say, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, that's all right, neither do I. I'm going to make myself a cup of coffee in a minute. I'm looking at the Union flag flying out there up its pole. The wind is now from the west, as it should be. Do you remember last week I was telling you from the east and from the north all the time, and it was cold. It is beginning to warm up a little bit now. I just want it to warm up a lot more. I've got things to do outside. I'm not going to freeze. I'd rather leave the jobs until it's summer. Now, another thing we had in the 70s, or didn't have rather, let's turn this round, something we did not have was stress. Well, I suppose we did to an extent. I often hear about school children these days and uh, teenagers, early 20s, stress. They're stressed at school. Why are they stressed at school? I don't understand that. In my, I suppose, yeah, thinking about my day at school, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't very academic. Let's put it that way. What's that word? Academia. 
wasn't my forte. <laughs> and I do remember one chap, actually, a friend of mine. We lost touch in the end because he went on to grammar school. He passed the 11 plus. He went to grammar school. He was uh, a studious type chap. I remember saying to him, oh, we'll do this tonight. We'll go over the woods. Let's go over the woods on our bikes tonight. And he'd say, oh, no, no, I've got to do my studying. I've got to do homework. And I'd think, homework? Studying? What's he on about? It's a summer evening. The sun is shining. The woods are calling. I want to go over there on my track bike and get some newts out of the pond and some tadpoles. <laughs> oh, dear. And there he was at home studying. So I suppose he... He did have a little bit of stress, but nothing like I hear about these days. Again, is it that back in my day, children were self-harming? They were cutting themselves. They were doing these awful things, but we didn't hear about it because we didn't have social media. I don't believe that's the case. I was at a school, the boys' school I went to, the secondary modern. There were 600 of us there. I don't, I, obviously I didn't know all the boys, all 600 of them, but I didn't ever hear of anyone harming themselves or being stressed. Perhaps one or two did, I don't know. I don't remember any of them. I'm just trying to picture the playground and the field where we always used to go playtime, lunchtime. I don't remember anyone horrendously overweight. So we didn't have weight problems back then. Now, why is that? Is that because, oh, on the telly this morning, on the news, they were saying... Uh, you know these food delivery places? You can phone up and you can have food delivered, whether it be Chinese, Indian, whatever, and they'll bring it round, chap on his moped. They were saying, is that the reason for all this obesity? They're calling Britain the, what was it, the, the, fat, the fat man of Europe or something, because we're all obese here. Well, I'm not. And they were saying, is it all this stuff we just pick up, we get onto your mobile, Right, I want a huge curry, I want a load of poppadoms, I want a load of beer all delivered to my house because I'm too lazy to go out and get it. I don't know. I'm not quite sure what the conclusion was on the programme because uh, I turned the telly off before they'd finished. But I don't remember, apart from you know kids being overweight, I don't remember that. I just don't remember anyone having all this stress and self-harming that they do. Now, that's awful. That must be awful for the parents. They must think, what have we done? Where have we gone wrong? You know, why is our son or daughter cutting themselves like this? I just don't remember that happening. Is it because there is the stress? What is the stress these days? That's another issue, isn't it? What is this stress? Where's it come from? What are they stressed about? One thought I had, going back to my school days, Sometimes one of the kids would say, my dad's got a Jaguar car, he's got a Jaguar. And someone else would say, oh, my dad's got a Morris Thousand. So he wasn't as good. He only had a Morris Thousand in the family, whereas the other kid had the Jaguar. These days, I suppose it's, have you got the latest iPhone? Have you got the latest tablet, the, the latest iPad? Have you got the latest trainers that were £250? Nike trainers or whatever. I don't know what they say. Nike? 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 I don't know. I, <laughs> I just wear old things. I, I, I've bought things from car boot sales. You know, a bit like jumble sales or garage sales in America, I think. Yard sales, aren't they? I see a pair of shoes or whatever. Well, that'll do. They fit me. Yeah, they look quite nice and clean. <laughs> Pay a couple of quid for those. Whereas at school, I suppose the kids these days, they've got to have the the latest jacket, I mean, it's got to be a, a whatever 
jacket. I don't know all the makes. Some of you now will be saying, oh yeah, you mean this make or, or that brand. You've got to have writing on your jacket, haven't you? What is it? Um, I can't remember. Uh, is it quick dry or something or <laughs> drip dry? I can't remember what it says. So I suppose there is that stress, especially with mobile phones, because unless you've got the latest mobile phone, then you are, well, in the old days, you were square. You were called square. These days you're uncool, is it? Or, I don't know, an idiot or something, if you've not got the latest horrendously expensive phone. Maybe that is some of the stress. I can't see that the lessons are stressful these days. Perhaps they are. I mean, I don't know. I don't go to school anymore. <laughs> uh, imagine me sitting in on a class. Actually, that would be interesting if I would be allowed to sit at the back of a class in the, uh, you know, perhaps, I don't know, the sort of 14, 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, see what they're learning, see how it's all done. Because they don't have blackboards anymore. They've got a screen, haven't they, with a computer thing and projector? I don't know what they've got. Do they use exercise books and pencils and rubbers <laughs> anymore? And an ink pot with a quill pen? <laughs> no, I'm not that old. I do remember one boy in our class, he had... He got a new pair of boots, Cuban heel boots. And they in the 60s, the early 60s, they were the thing. And I just had ordinary flat, um, what do they call them? Sensible flat shoes, you know. His parents had quite a bit of money. They lived in a big house. I'd been there, lovely house. In the lounge, the front room was a huge, you know, full-size grand piano. And he was learning to play the piano. So they had the money. My parents didn't. So I just had ordinary, sensible, cheap well, not cheap, but the you know, ordinary flat shoes. And he put his feet up on his desk to show off his new shoes to everyone. And, uh, of course, some of the idiots said, oh, wow, I like your boots. Whereas anyone with any sense just looked the other way and pretended they hadn't seen. So there was that, but it, that didn't cause stress. I remember thinking I'd love a pair of boots like that, the Cuban Hill boots. Yes, I'd love that. But it didn't stress me. I didn't suffer from that awful word jealousy envy yes I was envious of his boots but I wasn't jealous you know I thought great you know good on him it's nice I, I wish I had some I did buy some later actually my mum gave me some money and I cycled downtown to get a sensible pair of <laughs> I wonder if, she, if she's listening she might remember this she sent me downtown to get a sensible pair of school lace-up type shoes and I don't know how much she gave me, probably a £5 note. Not even that much, I don't suppose. So what did I do? I went to the Northampton Boot Company, which is now a Chinese takeaway, by the way, just round the corner from where I live. And I bought a pair of Cuban Hill boots. I think it took just about all the money that she'd given me. And I cycled home on the, with them, on, I was wearing them. And of course, the, the pedals on the bike scratched the, the leather soles, they had leather soles. The first thing she said was, you can take those back. You're not having those. And I took them off and she was putting them into the box that they came. And she said, look, you've scratched all the soles. That was on the, I had to keep them. So it was just as well I put them on and cycled home. Otherwise I wouldn't have got them. You couldn't take them back with scratches all over the, the soles from the bicycle pedals. So once she got over the initial anger and fuming, <laughs> and I'll never let you buy your own shoes again and rah, 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 I got myself a pair of Cuban Hill cool boots. I don't think we use the word cool. If you were uncool, you were square. I don't know why it was square, but you, if you had the wrong trousers on, if they weren't flares, if they, they were drain pipes, that's right. 
at school, if your trousers weren't really tight, proper drain pipes, then you were square. <laughs> what was it if you were good? Unsquare. I don't know. Fab or something. Fab. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't remember all the, the terminology. But uh, stress. I do not remember that. I mean, I'd get stressed, if, if at all, when the teacher at lunchtime would come round and say, eat that liver. And I didn't like liver. It was disgusting. It had veins in it and blood dripping and blood clots on it. And I was forced to eat it. That was stress. But that, you know, that wasn't stress. I got stressed once when I had the cane. I've been playing truant, you know, playing hooky or whatever, bunking off school. And I got the cane and there's marks all across my, my bottom. When I got home, I looked in the mirror. I thought, oh, no wonder that hurt. It's all drawn blood. Good grief. You'd, you do that to a kid at school these days, you get 10 years inside. <laughs> Something else going back to those days that we had then that we don't have so much now was wanting something. We had wanting. You'd want something and have to save up for it. I remember some of the kids at school had a the type of briefcase. It was basically two sort of sheets of leather with a zip on three sides and it would just open up into a, a big piece of leather, brown leather, soft leather, with a little latch and a keyhole on it. And I really wanted one. They were too expensive to buy new. And uh, funnily enough, it was the kid with the Cuban Hill boots of the grand piano. He had one. And one day he came in with a different uh, briefcase. And I said, where's your old one? And he said, oh, it's at home. I don't use that anymore. So I bought it. I can't remember how much. I bought that from him and I was really pleased to have this sort of latest, <laughs> this latest type briefcase. I didn't, you know, in the older school, we didn't have satchels. Uh, they were for the younger kids. So, you know, we had briefcases. And the, and the thing is, there was nothing in the briefcase. I didn't have a load of schoolwork in there. I think I had a sort of pen that didn't work, a broken pencil, a ruler. Uh, what else did I have? A protractor. Nothing, nothing like a slide rule or anything. I, I didn't know what that was for. <laughs> in technical drawing once, sitting at the drawing board, I had to draw, you know, we would, I don't know what we were drawing, some technical thing. And I wanted a straight line, so I just got this ruler and drew a line. And he, this teacher hit me around the head. Idiot boy, he said. Idiot boy. You're supposed to use the sliding, was it T-square, not set square, T-square thing that slides up and down. I don't know why I didn't use that. I just thought I'd use the ruler. I had it in my hand. So uh, I got a slap round the head and I was called an idiot. <laughs> that was funny. That was funny. But again, that wasn't stress. You know, he caught me doing it incorrectly and so he whacked my head. Because you can't whack people's heads these days. Earlier I was talking about respect, common sense, decency. We did have respect for the teachers. Well, no, we didn't. We didn't like them. We thought they were idiots. But we did show respect. Uh, there is a difference, isn't there? We did show respect. Same with uh, the police. Not all the children liked the local coppers. You know, we get told off for playing on the building site. But we did have respect for them. You know, if a copper shouted out, get off that building site now, then, you know, you'd get off it. And he'd cuff you around the head. I got cuffed around the head by a copper because I was playing on a building site. And he told me only a few days previously not to do it. And of course, he caught me again. He came along on his bicycle and, you know, come here, you come here, because you didn't run off. You had to go and see him. And he cuffed my head. As I've told you before, out. <laughs> if I see your dad and I tell him, he'll cuff you as well, which was true. 
You didn't go home and say, oh, Dad, the copper hit me. So Dad would say, right, that's it. I'm taking him to court. <laughs> it wasn't like that. Then your dad would hit you. He'd whack you with something. So there was respect shown, at least. And there was courtesy. I remember even as a, a young, well, what, early teens or whatever, if I'm going into a shop and I can see you know, a woman in front of me, I would open the door for her. Or if I'm going out of the shop, I'd open the door or step aside to let someone out. Uh, I suppose that was what, that was courtesy, wasn't it? Courteous. Has that gone now? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about all this where some women are saying, I don't want the door open for me. Oh, I can open the door myself. I don't want people doing that. Well, they think I'm weak or something. <laughs> it, it was just courtesy, I suppose. As I said earlier, also, I think people had more respect for, for where they lived, not only their own house, their front garden, but uh, the street. They wouldn't chuck litter around. If there was litter in the street, they see it when they're walking along, they pick it up. It's not theirs, but they'd pick it up. If someone had dropped something, cigarette packet or a crisp packet, they would pick it up and take it home and put it in their bin, even though it wasn't theirs. I don't think people do that too much these days. I must admit, if I see a tin can that someone's dropped in the road, I will go out there and collect it and put it in our dustbin. I will do that. Uh, I was taught to do that when I was being brought up as a kid. You know, if you see rubbish somewhere, you put it in the bin, even though it's not your rubbish. Perhaps they don't teach that at school anymore. I don't know. Did they teach that at school? Yes, I think they did because we had, oh, that's right, in um, at school, if you were naughty, <laughs> which I often was, you had to go and do playground uh, clearing up litter. So there was litter. Yes, that's a thought, but there wasn't a lot. You might have got one or two kids that had dropped sweet wrappers, something like that, but there wasn't a load of litter. So you'd have to go around the playground just picking up anything you could find. So, yes, there were litter louts, aren't they? I remember once I was driving along following a car along a pretty fast main road and this glass bottle, a large glass bottle, came flying out of the driver's window and landed in the road, smashed to bits. I had swerved to miss it, fortunately, but uh, that was dangerous. There's one thing chucking a crisp packet out of the window, but a glass bottle, I saw him swigging from the bottle, I saw him drinking from it and he just threw it out of the window. That was dreadful. When was that? That was, actually, no, that wasn't when I was, I was what, in my 40s then. So, yes, perhaps the, the respect and the decency and everything had gone by then. I don't know. I've ordered a briefcase, quite a nice um, hard type briefcase, because we're off to the Isle of Wight for a week on holiday. And I want to take my radios with me. I've got my, well, my iPad and uh, chargers, charging lead, my handheld radio, you know, the amateur radio type ones. Uh, the, the scanner-type radios to listen to the, the ships and the sailing boats around the island. I normally put them in a soft bag, but what I really need is a, a sort of hard-backed briefcase to put them in. It's just like a box, you know, the type of thing. A little latch each side with numbers, so I've got to uh, dream up a code. <laughs> so that'll be quite good. I'm hoping it'll turn up this week, possibly even today. Now, I got that second-hand. That was on eBay. I forget what, I think it was £15 and uh, looks in quite good condition. So that'll be good. I can fill it with all my nerd radio gear, which uh, makes Trisha laugh. <laughs> I really enjoy recording these podcast episodes because while I'm talking about something that might have happened at school, that will remind me of something else that perhaps I'd forgotten. And it's lovely to look back 
I hear a lot of people these days, people of my age, say, oh, it's awful for the children. They're not going to be able to get a house. They won't get a mortgage. They can't afford to rent. The world's in a dreadful state, which is true. There's so much sadness and, well, you know what's going on in the world with Russia and Ukraine. And I don't know, there's so much sadness and it is a shame, isn't it? And I, I must admit, I do think, well, the children are growing up. What are they going to grow up to? What are they going to face when they leave school, go out to work? What's the world going to be like? If it's still here, even. I mean, you never know the way some people are thinking. I don't know. It. I suppose there's no point in thinking like that. The children, as they grow up, they will be in charge. They will be in government. They will be kings and queens and presidents and prime ministers. So they will deal with whatever dreadful legacy we've left for them, I suppose. I suppose similar to after the the World War Two. after that. In the 50s, people didn't have any money. A lot of people didn't have homes. The houses had been bombed. They had nowhere to live. They'd lost not only all their belongings, the house as well. I really don't know. Isn't it awful, though, that we don't learn from history? We don't learn from our mistakes. I didn't learn much at school, but uh, as I said, I, I wasn't academic at all, you know, mathematics, and I can't do all that. I'm not too bad at geography. English I like, science I quite like, but mathematics and technical drawing using my ruler. <laughs> I, I'm no good at academically. I can't do all that stuff. General knowledge, I'm awful at general knowledge. Trish and I watch some of the quiz programmes on the telly. We watch Pointless and Richard's House of Games. I know that if you're abroad somewhere, Australia, America, you'll be thinking, what? what's that? But uh, it'll probably come to you eventually, because I think we do have some of our TV programmes that go out around the world. But Trisha answers the, the questions straight away. She's there. Oh, that's uh, St Paul's Cathedral. And I haven't even uh, read, let alone understood the question. I'm looking at the screen thinking, what, what's that? What do they mean? I can't work out the question. And she's answered it. She's answered it and she's right. So I don't know. I, I, don't, know. I don't even know what I'm talking about now. <laughs> I do know about radios, though. Amateur radio gear. I know about that. Transmitters and receivers. Aerials and things. Antennae. Isn't it funny how people, even in newspapers, journalists, they get things wrong. For example, they'll put someone won the 100 metre running race and they spell it M-E-T-E-R, meter, as in electricity meter, voltmeter. It's M-E-T-R-E, isn't it? Why do they get that wrong? Mind you, in, it was funny the other day we were, Trish and I were doing an online quiz. Oh, she was, I don't do, but she was doing an online quiz. And she said that word, the answer is definitely centre as in the centre of something, not, you know, in the middle, in the centre. But it was spelt C-E-N-T-E-R. It was American. And of course, we spell it C-E-N-T-R-E. -E. So I said to her, well, try the American way, E-R. Oh, yeah, it works. <laughs> I wonder why it's different. They've got R-E and we've got E-R. I don't know. I shall probably never know. I remember what I was talking about now. I didn't learn much at school, kind of academically, but I did learn... How to behave, how to be polite, how to open the door for a lady, how to give up your seat if you're on the bus or the train and an elderly person gets on. 
I would stand up and give them my seat. I did learn that from, well, not only from school, but from parents. And I always practised that. Uh, what is it? Man- manners maketh man, or manners cost nothing. It's difficult to teach children good manners. Have we got good manners today? No. How can we teach children good manners when they look at Prime Minister's Question Time on the television and they're shouting out, oh, you're useless, he's just a liar, all he does is lie. And they're calling each other names and there's no respect there at all. And then we expect our kids to have respect for for people and to have good manners. When our leaders, our so-called leaders, our politicians are just slagging each other off the whole time. Journalists in the on the telly, in the newspapers, you've got your biased journalists that slagging off each other's side. Oh, all they do is lie. Why don't you come clean? Stop lying all the time. Everything that comes out of his or her mouth is a lie. That's not journalism, is it? <laughs> it's biased rubbish. So I don't know what the kids, hopefully, I know it's an awful thing to say, but hopefully the kids don't watch the news and don't read newspapers and journalists, this ridiculous comments and things. I suppose as a child, I didn't watch the news. I did one or two things on our old black and white telly. I'd hear something on the news and I would listen. Perhaps something awful had happened. Remember that, that awful thing that happened in Wales where the little children died in their school. I remember taking an interest in that because it just, I, you know, I was young and it just, I related somehow. I just related. But I hope these days the kids don't watch things like Prime Minister's Question Time because it sets such a dreadful, dreadful example. I've just thought of something else, talking about the news and journalists. Something else we had in the 70s, proper radio stations, especially in the 60s, proper radio stations, namely the pirate ships, of course, for the the teenagers. In the 60s, the pirate radio ships were fantastic. Radio Caroline, Radio London... The music was just fantastic. But the news programmes, the BBC, when it became, what was it, the BBC Home Service. Now that, talking of the BBC Home Service, do you know the newsreaders had to, even though it was radio, they had to wear a suit and a tie, even a bow tie in the early days. They wear a bow tie. They had to be dressed properly, even though they were just sitting behind a microphone. They weren't seen. It wasn't television but they had to be dressed properly and they spoke properly. Proper Queen's English, don't you know? What, what? <laughs> well, I don't think they went what, what? But the proper you know, proper Queen's English. These days, I heard a newsreader, very often I've heard the newsreaders talking about the Labour Party. What's a party? For goodness sake, these are newsreaders, they're journalists. They can't even speak properly. <laughs> so at least in the old days, we had people on the radio that could speak properly they played proper music none of this modern rubbish now actually I do like some of the modern rubbish I like Paloma Faith brilliant oh I've got one is it her I can't remember I get mixed up with people's names I'll have to try and remember that there's a a mix or something which has got a load of weird noises on it is it Paloma Faith I'll try and find out and let you know but the radio stations these days they're all rubbish as my son said you drive round in your car and you flick from radio station to radio station on your car radio and they all sound the same. They've all got the same format, all playing the same stuff, just the same format, basically just the same format. You can't tell the difference. You don't know which one you're listening to. Whereas back then, 
you're listening to one, you think, well, I know what this is. This is Radio London. This is Radio Caroline. This is Radio... Oh, do you remember BBC Radio 1? I know it's the, the British Broadcasting Company, don't you know, but their attempt to combat the, the pirate stations by starting off BBC Radio 1 in the 60s, it was dismal. Tony Blackburn, with all due respect to you, Tony, if you're listening, you were far better when you are on the pirate ships. Of course, it wasn't Tony Blackburn's fault. He was restricted. He had to do as he was told. On the pirate ships, he could do what he liked, play what music he liked. Great. Not that he said anything bad, you know, he wasn't swearing or anything. But as soon as you get to the BBC, it's all got to be done to the book, which spoilt it because it wasn't kind of ad-lib, you know, it was all, well, almost scripted. But there we are. So that's something else we had back then. <laughs> proper music and proper radio stations. And, of course, people speaking properly, going back to the kids and setting an example. If the kids are hearing people on the news talking about the Conservatives and the Labour Party, how are they going to learn to speak properly? They're going to copy whatever they hear. So I don't know, where's it all gone wrong? Look at that weather out there. It's windy again. The sky is completely overcast. It's not warm. It's dull, grey. <laughs> it's quite depressing. No, it's not depressing. I don't get depressed. I get annoyed. No, I don't get annoyed even. I get fed up when the weather's... We plan to do something. Now, for example... Uh, tomorrow we're going to Amberley Museum, meeting sister-in-law, brother-in-law, uh, their two boys. We're meeting up there and we're going to take a picnic, have a bit of lunch, which will be nice, and look around the museum. But of course, if it's going to be pouring with rain, we can't go. We don't know what the weather's going to be like. Do I take thick fur boots, an overcoat, a hat, scarf and winter-type gloves? Or do, <laughs> or do I put my shorts on? and t-shirt and scare everyone to death. I've no idea. What we have to do is we wear what we think is going to be about right, then in the back of the car we'll put a change of clothes, a change of shoes, just in case. We went to London once, years ago. Trish said, take your big puffer jacket because it's going to be cold. You know these big, she calls it a puffer jacket. Look like Michelin Man. So I put that on. We go on the train up to London. We're walking around London and there's a heat wave. It was absolutely sweltering in the centre of London. I had to carry this puffer jacket round all day. Just carry it. It was a big thing, you know, because it was puffed, if you know what I mean. <laughs> a puffin type thing. And I had to lug it round all day, and we've never forgotten that. If ever we're going anywhere, she'll say, make sure you wear a decent coat. Oh yeah, I'll take my puffer jacket. Actually, we haven't got it anymore. I gave it to someone. I can't remember who. I gave it away, but... Uh, but that was funny. When I said sister-in-law, brother-in-law and their boys, I don't mean their sons. They're, they've got a son and a daughter. They're kind of in their 30s. They're grandchildren. They've got two grandchildren who love Ambly Museum. So we're meeting them there. We sometimes take our little grandson. What's he now? Is he seven? I think he's seven now. Bless him. But uh, he lives a, a fair way away. So we won't be taking him this time. I know something else we had in the 70s, the 60s. I've just remembered. I think they went into the 70s. Ladybird I Spy books. Do you remember the I Spy? Talk of the devil. That's a funny expression, isn't it? <laughs> that was Tricia on the phone. I'm on my way home. Have you had lunch yet? I hope you haven't made yourself lunch. No, I haven't. 
If I do, I carve the bread up because we don't have sliced bread. We make our own bread. We, do you like that? We make our own bread. Trisha makes our own bread. And if I get hold of the, <laughs> the carving knife, it's like wedges, you know, it's all at an angle and the whole loaf gets ruined. So she was phoning just to make sure I hadn't made my own lunch. She'll be about 20 minutes, so oh, it should be about right for the end of the podcast, actually. Now, what was I saying before I was interrupted by a phone call? Oh, ladybird books. That's it. I spy books. I spy animals and I spy aeroplanes. I spy cars. The idea was that you go out with your parents. You're driving off somewhere, perhaps having a picnic in the country. You're sitting in the back of the car with your I spy book. And it might be I spy birds. So you're looking, oh, there's a blackbird. And you tick that off in your I spy book. And a pigeon, maybe a seagull, perhaps uh, a sparrow. And they were great. They were great fun, those I Spy books. Do kids these days have anything like that? I suppose on their iPhones, they've got things, have they? I know I've got an app. It's a bird song app. What you can do, if you hear a bird singing and not sure what it is, record it, then the app will tell you what it is or it'll give you a few choices. It's either this or that, which is really good. But do kids have things? I know they have games on their phones and iPads, but do they have, I don't know, collecting things, like looking out for things that you can tick off? I just wonder how much kids, I must keep saying kids, children, miss out these days. I used to go to the woods. I know I've said all this before and you're probably asleep by now anyway, so I'm talking to myself. So if I'm talking to myself, it doesn't matter if you're not listening. I used to go over the woods, look in hedgerows, look in bushes, climb trees, look for birds' nests. Now, I didn't take the eggs because we were taught not to do that. I know that some children did, but I didn't. And we'd learn what type of eggs were, you know, belonged to which type of birds. Do children do that anymore? Or if you say, I mean, there's that joke, isn't there? You know, where do chickens come from? Sainsbury's. <laughs> Where's bacon come from? Tesco's. I don't know. Do they? We used to go to the farm. There was a farm over the back of us. It was lovely. Got to know the farmer. Sometimes he was a bit grumpy and annoyed with us because we climbed on his haystack or done something naughty. But it was great fun. He, he would teach us things. He was actually a very nice chap and he would teach us things. We'd ask questions and he'd explain things to us about the farm, which was really good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. I don't think the children have that these days. But the I Spy books, which I, I personally didn't like, they were just annoying because I could never find, it would say on there, right, you've now got to look out for a, a swift or a swallow. Well, I could never see a blasted swift or swallow, so I'd tick it off anyway. <laughs> Pretend I'd seen it. I remember doing that. I remember my mum saying, oh, you, you did you see a swift? Yeah, yeah, where was that? Oh, back there in the car. Um, it was sitting on the hedge. Well, they don't sit on the hedge, do they? <laughs> well, this one was. But it was great for learning. All sorts of I spy books. I'm not sure whether they're still going. One thing we did not have in the 70s uh, was a mobile phone with Find My Friends app on it. I've just had a look to see where Trish is, to see how long I've got. She's about five minutes around the corner. Now, is it a good idea to be able to see where people are? I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that's always a good idea, is it? I mean, it's great now because if I've popped out to see someone, she can see where I am. If I'm on my way back, you know, it's quite useful. If someone's coming round, like 
the mother-in-law's on her way round. We can see where she is. <laughs> and then when she gets here, we can hide and pretend we're out. No, 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 not really. So we didn't have things like that. That's useful, of course. There are apps, aren't there, so you know where your kids are. If they're over the park or something, you can see on your phone. They show up on the map, don't they? So you can see where they are. I suppose that's quite good. Mind you, the teenagers, they can switch that off, can't they? They switch the app off or the phone off. So you don't know where they are. So it doesn't really help. <laughs> I think that's enough for today. Next Wednesday's midweek message, I'll actually be away. But I will try and record a midweek message so you've got that on Wednesday. And I'm actually away next Sunday. So the episode on Sunday might be a little bit shorter. I don't know. It depends how I get on recording things and setting it all up online when I'm actually away. It'll all have to be done from the iPad. So, <laughs> so that should be fun. I don't know. Probably be a disaster. So I will see you next Wednesday, hopefully. In the meantime, take care. Have a good week and behave yourselves. I certainly will, or try to at least. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye for now.